Good day, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. With me this afternoon for a curiously early recording is my regular panelist, freelance writer Julian Murdoch. Good morning. Uh, so today we're recording at the ungodly hour of one in the afternoon, uh, due to the special transatlantic nature of this week's show. Our subject is Men of War Salt Squad and the Men of War series, and I cannot think of another writer who knows more about the subject than Rock Paper Shotgun's Jim Rossignol. Jim, thanks for being on the show. No problem, thanks for having me. So Jim, I, I wanted to start with you, um, because I think at this point you've written several books worth of material on uh, the Men of War series. <laughs> um, and I was wondering, I, I wanted to get your impressions of Assault Squad. Okay, so uh, Assault Squad is interesting in that it doesn't have a, a classic single-player campaign. I mean, all, all the other previous games have been based largely around uh, the, the success of the, um, uh, the single-player game. This... Uh, can be played single player, but it's uh, very much focused on the skirmish modes, um, which I think is a really interesting way of of uh, sort of focusing and polishing on and uh, amplifying one specific thing that uh, Men of War did really well, which was uh, had just a few um, multiplayer modes and, and specifically a couple of maps that could be played co-op. And these were these were maps from the actual campaign uh, that were suitable for more than one player and. Uh, what Digital Mindsoft have done is just take that and distill it and turn it into, um, I guess, what could could be understood as a, a co-op campaign, but essentially a co-op skirmish campaign, um, which I think is 15 maps long, something like that, which is uh, probably longer than it would take you to play through the original campaign. Well, especially well, because uh, these, these skirmish maps seem to have an almost cruel difficulty curve. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it would be betraying the series not to be uh, unpleasantly difficult, I think. <laughs> I mean, the original game is one of fiddliness and uh, accidental disaster and, and sort of constant crisis management, uh, but I think that's why they're so interesting. And uh, Assault Squad certainly captures everything that's great about that, but has been polished and pushed in a way that I don't think the previous games have. I mean, this has had something like four or five months of, of beta testing, um, which the other games, by the by uh, virtue of their sort of uh, wonkiness and bugginess, clearly didn't. Uh, but this is a much more much more solid release. It's uh, it's perhaps not any more playable than the other games, and certainly not <laughs> not uh, it doesn't it doesn't uh, do any more to sort of lead you into it. But I think for people who are willing to sort of grit their teeth and and and, and take it on, um, it's going to be incredibly rewarding. Now, uh, Julian, you, you don't have much background with the uh, Men of War series, and I think I kind of dragooned you into playing this with me uh, so I could actually review it. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, how did what was it like being tossed into the deep end? Well, I, I will say the um, – it's not I guess it's not really a campaign. I guess it's just sort of a tutorial series of skirmishes that it drags you through um, in the beginning. And uh, it, it does a pretty good job. I think that – I was describing this to somebody else at, at PAX this weekend that part of the beauty of this being set in such well-trod territory, I mean, how many times have we done, you know, Allied versus Axis on these exact same battlefields with these exact same units in everything from, you know, advanced squad leader to, uh, you know, I don't know, every strategy genre ever has tackled this field. So Luckily, it felt like I didn't need to learn what a Panzer Grenadier did or, you know, what a Stuart did. I mean, I understood all the unit types immediately. And to the series credit, those things all seem to be rendered deliciously detailed, meaning, you know, one particular kind of SMG unit has just the right kind of anti-tank grenade that he should have. Right. So so I, I can immediately say, oh, my SMG should be able to take out tank treads. And lo and behold, if I can actually get my guy in position and actually lay on the grenade right, yes, he can, in fact, take out tank treads. So there's not much learning curve there, uh, which, which you know, if this was set in outer space, there'd be a whole nother learning curve involved. The learning curve here is, oh, my God, I have to figure out what caliber ammunition this gun takes. And that's been excruciatingly painful i'll be honest it that the difficulty here is not in understanding what's going on it's in actually implementing your ideas right and i i think you know it's strange because normally i view multiplayer as sort of the most daunting version of any uh strategy game or war game but here i kind of felt like 
this kind of multiplayer focused approach is actually kind of what I wanted from the series all along because you know when I when I first tried to play uh, the original Men of War um, a year or so ago, I, I ran very quickly into the problem of all this overwhelming detail. It was too much for me to handle, and I always often felt like you know I just I did not have the ability to control everything I needed to, and it was very frustrating to have guys you know dying right and left uh, because I was simply off micromanaging something else. And and here what what I found helped a great deal is being able to divide that workload um, among you know my friends really made it much more approachable to play because then because now you're really rewarded for micromanaging a tank and a couple infantrymen rather than trying to manage you know a platoon of tanks and infantry. Yeah, I mean I've found it's certainly playing the single player game or even just playing front lines you know one on one or two on two versus somebody else. Um, that micromanagement does get overwhelming, especially when you're starting to deal not just with a single front, but with a reinforcement queue that's coming up from the rear while you're trying to still manage the front line. Um, that's I can't tell you how many times I've pretty much wiped because I was carefully positioning an assault squad to make a flanking run on a position, and then three uni- reinforcements showed up at the back, and I quickly went back to make sure they were going the right place and got back to my assault squad, and they were all dead. I mean that's that seems to be the tenor of this game. Certainly, certainly one thing this this game seems to do is it, it denies you really any sense of safety. You know, I, I often fall into the trap of trying to you know protect everything, uh, and you know you simply can't play this game this way. I I, I think um, it, there's sort of an attitude shift required for for processing how how to play Men of War, in that it's not uh, it almost shouldn't be understood. As an RTS, it's something more like a battlefield simulator, in that uh, I think that what, the, what the devs have done is just taken taken a sort of snapshot of what happens on a battlefield at this sort of level, and how much of that can we uh, can we pile into the in, into the actual game world, and then it becomes sort of down to the player to uh, to sort of learn the parameters of that simulation, and then have to try and deal with it. Um, and I think you see that in some of the some of the details that are almost bizarre in in in, uh, for example, in, in uh, the original Man of War, the um, the landscape is I mean, fairly static, sort of destructible buildings and so on. But you, where there's a frozen river, I imagined I'd just be able to roll my tanks straight across it. But no, they've modelled the breaking of the ice and obviously tanks falling through and all that kind of stuff. And and um, that sort of level of detail comes up again and again. When I met the developers a few years ago, the first thing they showed me was that... Um, anti-tank rounds will shoot through a building where a high-explosive round will detonate and, and destroy the building. And I think that sort of, for them, that sort of summed up their philosophy, that they were going to try and try and model as much of what will actually and should actually happen on the battlefield as possible. And that sort of, I, that just ends up being reflected in the challenge that everyone faces when, when they sit down to play it. I, I honestly can't think of any game that this reminds me of in the in the virtual world, but boy, does it remind me of playing Advanced Squad Leader on a, on a tabletop. I mean, it has that same, you're dealing with basically the same units, you're dealing with the same number of units quite often, you know, you might have six or seven stacks working at a given time, uh, you know, six or seven uh, units, you're really focused on on getting around the board, you're managing things like whether or not they've they've exhausted certain parts of their inventory, it, it really feels like I'm playing advanced squad leader in real time. And that's the other thing that this has forced me to do. You know, in a, a game of Advanced Squad Leader, you'll spend three or four hours enacting 10 minutes of real-world combat. Um, I find that I have to force myself to play this game much more slowly than I'm used to in any kind of RTS. Right. And I, I think it, it, um, it, it defies RTS conventions. I think uh, a lot of studios have a sort of very... Um, not necessarily formulaic, but there's there's there's, um, there's a sort of philosophy. There's an understanding of how RTS games should function as sort of coherent, comprehensible inter, uh, game systems, and th- those are all uh, sort of quite close systems, quite uh, neatly balanced from their own sort of internal rule set. But I think uh, almost like the Total War games, the balancing here is almost from real life. You know, d- d- how much does it cohere to you know what 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 you should expect of a submachine gun squad. Well, I mean, I think it's, and perhaps this is one of the reasons I've been enjoying Assault Squad so much, is uh, it's really, you know, it, it's really not an RTS. It's a, it's a war game in an RTS, in RTS's clothing, right. in many ways. Uh, because this is a game where, well, I mean, let's compare it to a Company of Heroes, because that, I mean, that seems like perhaps 
uh, the most, you know, it's it's closest kindred um, in the in the RTS genre. You know, in Company of Heroes, if you get a flank shot or a rear shot on an enemy tank, you get a bonus to damage. Um, you know, so, you know, there is a bit of that simulational aspect where, you know, if you flank an enemy tank, you have a better chance of killing it quickly. Uh, but it, it's still fairly predictable what's going to happen when two tanks engage each other and the angle will affect it a bit. Here, any shot, it could pretty much do anything, right? I mean, th- there's this terrifying randomness on the battlefield where you can be rolling down a road with a tiger tank. Um, and theoretically, shots should just be bouncing off your hull. You know, you'll be unstoppable. But there's always that chance every time an anti-tank gun fires that it will somehow do some sort of crippling damage to your vehicle. Um, it doesn't matter how strong this unit is. You know, on the battlefield, there's there's always this chance that something awful is about to happen. And, and often there's no sense of why. I mean, that's the other thing is that there, this game models the chaos of war in a way that I don't think you often see. I mean, sure, it has regular fog of war conventions and things like that. But but there's no uh, there's no red line that goes back and says oh your tanks were taken out by ABC if you weren't actually watching the shot come in you may have absolutely no idea why a particular unit just got hit. Mm. But I think uh, the the stuff that it models also allows you to pull off the kind of heroics that you might not otherwise oh, be able yeah. to do with within game sort of patching up a, uh, a damaged tank under fire, you know, bring some guys into cover, the engineer work on it, you know that kind of stuff. Um, for me, there's a sort of there's almost a sense of heroism to your units, you know, as, as anonymous as they as they are in most cases. Uh, it gives you a sort of sense of heroism to them that I, I just don't remember or I don't recall from, from any RTS, really. It, it doesn't even have to be something as, as I'll put air quotes around, tricky as saying, you know, repairing an enemy tank and then getting in and turning it around and blowing them up. Um, just simply the act of taking a, you know, a, a squad of six or seven guys and running towards a machine gun emplacement and having the sniper positioned right to take out the machine gunner while the other guy is throwing in a grenade, that sounds like a fairly mundane activity um but because you're really directly controlling i mean you can directly directly control you know cook the grenade make sure that it goes in exactly when the sniper's firing um there is that real sense of accomplishment when you pull something off like that my problem is i don't seem to be good enough at this game to be pulling that off all that frequently well you know one of one of the things i enjoy is this is a game where i almost feel it's it's actually better when things are going a bit wrong I find my my most memorable moments so far have been where a you know a good plan completely falls apart upon contact with the enemy, and at that point it's a scramble to salvage what we can from the situation. Um, you know, I'm remembering a game that you and I played together, Julian, where you know we were having trouble matching. Uh, the, it was a, it was you know one of the uh, desert maps with the uh, with the British. And we were having trouble matching the uh, Germans for tanks, and you actually lost one of our one of our few tanks out there on the forward edge of the battlefield. And you know it was it was a huge loss, but you know it was it was weird how it worked out because it was immobilized and stuck there um, just on the other side of a berm from a German anti tank gun. But for the rest of the game, that immobilized tank became like a fortress. Um, and it just locked down an entire edge of the battlefield. An entire, like, battle grew around this one tank that your troops were sort of patiently trying to fix while an entire, you know, war happened around them. Yeah, yeah. And and it was one of those things where you're seeing all the sort of repurposed ingenuity of the field, right? I mean, that essentially became a forward machine gun turret. And as long as we could keep the AT gun away, uh, it didn't matter whether or not people kept hitting the tracks, right? Nobody could actually... Nobody could actually get at the machine gunner for some reason, and so he just sat there and ruled the day. Uh, and, and and eventually, you know, we actually took out the AT gun. I think somebody sent an assault squad around the side, uh, and then we were able to actually put that tank back into action, and it became part of the forward offensive again. I mean, that's a that is really the kind of story you don't often get out of a strategy game. Mm, absolutely, and I'm uh, just going back to what you're saying about things going wrong. Um, oh, there was a beautiful moment on. Um, playing one of the Russian maps. It's the Russian map with the river where there's a huge tank offensive at the end. And uh, it, I think it had reached that point where our defences were so weak that we kind of knew that we were going to be overrun and probably have to quit out the map and be defeated. But we'd figured out that um, 
uh, Molotov cocktails had a chance to set fire to the engine of tanks. So we were, with the few infantry we had left, we had quite a few Molotov cocktails and we were trying to get them onto the tanks just to, just to try and block the bridges and hold them off. And uh, there was this beautiful moment where I had a guy run out, go to throw the Molotov cocktail, but because we'd already destroyed a bunch of buildings, the Molotov cocktail actually clipped some of the debris from a building that we'd previously destroyed and and then they sort of exploded back on him setting him oh, on fire uh, so <laughs> our, our last attempt at retribution was foiled again well that story i mean yeah i wasn't going to bring this up until later but that story reminds me so much of uh one of my all-time favorite multiplayer uh you know real-time games the myth series i know i know that the the different nature of combat in the two games re- really does make a, a comparison between like men of war and myth very difficult but you know, Men of War is like Myth uh, in that it's a game where all these little details matter so much. Like, where is your soldier throwing his grenade from? I think we all remember the dwarves in Myth, um, you know, the catastrophic mishaps that happened thanks to them. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those games where you, you really, like, get down at eye level and you start scrutinizing, where should this guy be standing? You know, you, you're you're looking at like little little changes the changes in the gradient of a hill, uh, because you know in most games that won't matter. A terrain bonus, you know, is conferred very broadly depending on where your troops are positioned. This is a game where you have to make sure that a soldier is situated in the exact spot to get the exact sort of cover with the right kind of weapon, uh, or else it's not going to work. And the game is pretty good about cueing you on that. I mean, I, I, I'm still suffering from some conf- control confusion. You know, sometimes you're right-clicking to confirm an action. Sometimes you're left-clicking to confirm an action. It's, I, I, I still screw up more often than I probably get it right. Um, but you can actually get pretty fine-tuned about positioning a, a squad in a, in a stand of trees or behind a building. The thing that I think is, uh, is tricky is that it'll, it'll show you, say, let's say you've got a squad of eight guys. It'll show you the wonderful cover that six of them are going to get around the corner of a building. And they, you sort of have to pay attention to the fact that that means they're going to be two guys standing around picking their nose getting shot at. And uh, if you're not micromanaging that, those two guys will be dead instantly. Yeah, I mean, it has some it has some very odd conventions with things like how squads are formed. And I'm so used to the sort of click box drag uh, of, of selecting units over the years that I end up chopping up my units until I have hundreds of independent units in, in, in Men of War games and then having to consolidate them all back together again to form squads. Yeah. Um, stuff, stuff like that is... is, is, is you can't... It's almost like incomprehensible uh, when you first encounter it, and uh, I think it's probably inexcusable in, in design terms. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things that, that um, once you get past, um, it, it almost becomes stronger because you are dividing up those squads so quickly. You send two guys off one way, one guy off another, um, and and you know, other squad-based games just don't offer you that sort of flexibility. Right, right, and you can reform squads based on particular tactics, right? I mean, you can you can uh, you know split two snipers off and have them go do their thing off on a corner of a building, uh, and you know send your two medics off to go do something else. You know, so you can break your unit cohesion at, sort of at will based on the situation. Which I get, like you said, tremendous amount of flexibility, but with that comes a certain burden of micromanagement. And I mean, I don't think we should. We shouldn't understate the burden of micromanagement here because it's intense. Mm, it is, yeah. But I mean, going back to the you know the fracturing of your command as you know your troops are scattered to all these dozens of different squads, you know that's something that you know it, the that that control convention annoyed the hell out of me initially um, because it's very frustrating to think I was grabbing an individual soldier something, and then, no, I clicked on the squad leader, now everyone's following him, and a bunch of people get shot. Uh, that was very annoying. Or having a couple guys separate from the squad when I didn't intend them to. But once I once I figured that out, one of, one of the things I really enjoyed about having these units get split up and fractured is that, again, I mean, if you're going, going back to the battlefield simulator element, uh, where I find it really noticeable is really the uh, frontline games, um, where... One side is defending a series of positions, and one side is assaulting through them. You know, to to overcome these defenses, you have to do a lot of flanking tactics and get very caught up in the micromanagement and positioning of troops. And then once you capture a defense line, or when you need to organize for one, you know, final decisive push, there's always there, there's that chaotic element where, well, now you've been fighting so long that 
your forces are scattered in every direction, and you really have no one left to create a cohesive, you know, attack. And so now you have to spend a little time sort of reassembling your soldiers, you know, tidying up the battlefield, as it were. Hmm. I think you get, in all the game modes, actually, there is a sense of if you don't consolidate your defense, then you, you, there is a likelihood of collapse. Um, certainly in a, in a co-op game I played recently, we simply left one flank largely undefended because we assumed that the AI wasn't going to ford the river with tanks. Of course, it forded the river with tanks, and uh, it was pretty much all over for us. You know, the, the AI is something I kind of wanted to get into. Um, I mean, what, what, is, what is your guys' impression, Ben, of the uh, artificial intelligence in these skirmish games? Um, well, as I understand it, it's fairly heavily scripted in terms of um, it's a resp- the, the way the enemy reinforcements waves are a response to you capturing certain points on the field, uh, which doesn't always work sensibly, I don't think, in terms of you may have captured a point or recaptured a point and incited a major wave of tanks and really not be able to do anything about it, uh, which can be unfair. Yeah, I mean, my sense is that the... The, the broad strokes, uh, sort of as you said, the broad strokes seem fairly scripted. I think the individual unit control seems to make a fair amount of sense. I mean, they definitely, uh, they seem to be targeting the right things, much to my chagrin. Um, they, you know, if, you, uh, if you've snuck, an, if you've snuck a, an anti-tank squad off into the corner and then you fire the anti-tank gun, everybody hears it and they start firing at that unit that was previously, uh, you know, undercover. So that kind of stuff seems to be pretty well modeled. Certainly, the, the handling of, of armor is is excellent in terms of um, you you can't take a tank into uh, a well defended area without infantry support, and you also can't take it in if something bigger is going to be able to take it out. You know, you need you need to consider what's ahead, um, and I think you know you, you need to well certainly you have an option to turn the fog of war off. I think in in all the game modes, but um, certainly with the fog of war on, you are going to need to to get ahead and make sure that you know where. Those uh, those anti tank guns are are still active. If you're going to if you're going to keep your armor alive, which um, and and the, the the AI response to the armor is is always uh, quite serious. You know something that's impressed me in the in the uh, in the skirmish maps is the AI if it if it managed to manages to get the momentum back on its side, it is very aggressive and very effective with its counterattacks, and that's what that's what really catches me off guard. Because it is, you know, it is scripted, and obviously it's getting massive bonuses the further you push toward the end of the map. Uh, so there's a very hard pushback against your progress. But if it manages to start rolling you back, it shows no mercy. Like its tanks, it, its tanks stab deep behind your lines and start sowing all kinds of chaos, but it doesn't throw them away. Um, and and that's that that's really impressed me because again, like. You know, there, there are a lot of RTSs where I think, you know, I see the AI squander its assets. And this is one where the AI actually is, plays very much like an aggressive human uh, in, in the skirmish maps, at least. Yeah, I've definitely found that. I've definitely found that I get, I just, as soon as, as soon as you show weakness, it just runs right through you. And the game does seem to really reward aggression in a way. I mean, it, it seems very difficult for me to take a point and then entrench for any length of time. I mean, you really kind of have to keep moving forward towards your end objectives in these maps. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a balance throughout it, though, in that if you don't entrench at certain points, especially if you're playing one of these skirmish maps on your own, you can expect to just have the AI punch through without you. If your attention is away from that area, you, you, you may need to intervene and direct control or something to, to get through that. So if you, if you don't have... There's sort of that extra anti-tank gun covering the covering the sort of uh, you know street through a town or something that you're not looking at. Then you can expect to, to return to find it uh, in, in big trouble. Do you feel that this game is is so punishing that that it essentially makes it unownable for so many gamers? I mean, this is I'll, I'll admit it. If this was a game that I was playing on my own without any sort of community support, without people to play co-op. Uh, I'm not sure I would have played past the first half hour because it is just brutally difficult until you figure it out. And the, and the game doesn't do you any favors. It doesn't really tell you much about, you know, optimal strategy. It doesn't really even give you tool tips about what different unit types do if you're not already familiar with the, you know, the milieu that we're playing in. I wonder whether it's sort of necessarily brutal in that... Uh... What, what other game is there that, uh, that, that demands this much of you? I, I feel a bit like... Um... 
it's serving a particular audience who who want who want to be challenged and want complexity. And uh, I can see, you know, obviously it would reach a, a wider audience if there was if there was just you know just a tutorial would really help. But you know, I, I think on the other hand, um, there are gamers like me who who have just been really hungry for something sort of complex and difficult that that, that I had to work to, to to get into and then and then to continue to play. Um, maybe that's just you know. Maybe that's just a sort of necessary ev- evolution. You know, the, the, these games need to exist to to please a certain audience, and you know, I'm, I'm glad that it exists. Definitely. As oh, for does. sure, for sure. I mean, I've really been enjoying it. I just it strikes me as being. Uh, I mean, having not played any of the earlier games in the series, was it ever any easier to get at? I mean, am I coming in at the you know the advanced level? And if I I don't think it's ever five been years ago, this. no, no, it's, it's always been this sort of level of. Uh, baffling uh, <laughs> pure brutal uh, gameplay well but i think you know being able to cooperate it has been the decisive factor for me with this because i just i get so much i get so much pleasure from just uh taking direct control of a tank and using the uh, wasd controls to uh you know pop it out of cover and then you know bring it back down uh, go hold down on a target and you know engagement advantage being able to get at that at that level of of control is, is really exciting for me um but yeah i'm you know like you julian i'm not sure i i could have stuck with it i and i know previously when i tried to get into the series i couldn't stick with it simply because i i, I didn't feel like this was a game that <laughs> uh it might it might be playable for for you jim but but for me it was it was it was so overwhelming I, I could not get a handle on it, and I definitely needed friends to help out. I should say though uh, that uh, I totally agree on the co-op point, and I, th- I don't think I would have got into the original as much if um, if there hadn't been the co-op maps, uh, because I mean I, I, I sort of recognised how extraordinary it was, um, and took it to a friend and said, "Come on, you have to play this with co-op with me because you know you need to see it." Um, and once we played through a few co-op maps, I started to get much more of a hang of it, and so on. So you know, there's. Um, you know, credit to the developers for recognizing that 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 was a really important element of the game, and then making it the focus for Assault Squad. When when Men of War first came out, um, you know, I just I just started doing this job basically, and I didn't have a lot of friends who were going to be the sort of people who, you know, w- would say yes, I, I would like to try an absurd Russian war game RTS hybrid with you. Um, so so for me, it was very much one of those situations where I was reading this, you know, exciting stuff from Rock, Paper, Shotgun and thinking, well, that sounds fascinating. But then when I got it, you know, experiencing it, you know, in my office at home, it just wasn't as cool. And, you know, one thing, one thing that's changed is I think more people know about Men of War uh, now than, than when it first came out. I mean, Men of War Salt Squad, I think, is benefiting from a lot of the groundwork that uh, Men of War laid. And that coupled with the fact that I simply know more gamers who are maybe have more ambitious tastes. Uh, that's what's really enabled me to to find to find a group with this. And once I found my group, now the entire design makes so much more sense. Right, and I, th- and I think again, going back to the point about uh, um, complexity, those gamers with ambitious tastes are being catered for here. You know, this this is you know in all those aspects of it being a battlefield simulator or you know being a, a, a war game in in RTS clothing. That that's all catering to those sort of tastes, and and I often think that people don't even realise that they they have those sort of tastes until the game is until a game exists that presents them with it. Um, I, I certainly wasn't as hardcore into into this kind of RTS game until I encountered Men of War. I think uh, this is this is it, it's been a big it's been a lesson for me, and it certainly changed my sort of attitude towards. Uh, World War Two games specifically, because I can remember being one of the one of the main kind of uh, sighing reviewers whenever there was a, a World War Two game announced, and uh, and now I'm I'm much more excited by uh, the prospect of more Men of War. Okay, so let's go back to to your first reaction though to to Men of War because you said you you were you were hungry for something different, but what what was it that uh what did Men of War what what need did Men of War answer that nothing in the war game or strategy genres were really were really giving you i think it's kind of um the well, for my initial impression certainly it was a kind of um scope of interaction and a scope of um what was what was available to do um within the game so it had this sort of commandos level creeping about with a couple of guys um and that 
uh, you know, escalated right up to a gigantic tank battle with uh, you know dozens of tanks and, and hundreds of troops on each side, and then realizing that each guy had his own inventory that you could loot and take ammo from, and I think it was um, it's just the sort of breadth of uh, breadth of detail really. I think um, most games have a sort of very specific focus. You know, we've got a, a few a few mechanics that they want to do really well and and do really well. Um, but Company of Heroes being a great example of that, and it just feels like um, Men of War just just lay, laid on extra layers, and to see those all stacked up in a single game, from one guy creeping about in a bush to the, you know the, 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 these huge uh, set piece battles was. Um, you know, refreshing for something to be so ambitious and so broad. I think for me, what's what's kept me coming back to this game over the last couple of weeks, and 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 almost in a sense of masochism, and I keep I'll, I'll go back and load a save point and try to hit one little part of the mission again and again and again, um, or I'll I'll keep trying to play a front lines one on one and actually do well on both sides of the battle because I generally only seem to be able to do one side or the other um, is is the pacing. I mean, I said that before, but um, I'm, I've grown kind of weary of the StarCraft II's pace of games where it's sort of like rush, 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 rush. Okay, now you're dead. Um, I, the, the deliberateness of this uh, despite it being really micromanagey, um, is is really refreshing. I mean, I felt the same way sort of when Sins of a Solar Empire first came out, and it really broke the pacing of the genre. Um, I, that's part of what I'm enjoying so much about it. I don't know. I, I'd be interested to hear your experiences um, playing with playing in public games in multiplayer, because one thing that really caught me off guard is, you know, that that pacing issue and the attention to detail in the game and the severity of the game, I think really kind of added up to make a surprisingly patient and tolerant uh, multiplayer community, at least in my experiences with them. Um, Everybody I've met has been super nice. And you know, my general experience is I go in, I play the first five minutes and get completely wiped out. <clears throat> and then uh, they, I get a chat message saying something like, please don't quit. I'll help you play better. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I was playing a uh, combat mode the other day and uh, you know yeah i, I threw I, I basically threw away uh, a couple squads of infantry doing something particularly stupid uh which was advancing across a plowed field um with no support that didn't end well at all and in combat you know every time you are losing units you are hurting your team um and i know a lot of games uh where if if you aren't helping your team you you start you start having the you know the protests from fellow from fellow team members, like you know, get the hell off the server, stop sucking, uh, do what we tell you. Here, uh, you know, people are very patient with with people as they as they handle the learning curve. But also, I think the fact the game really sort of discourages um, high risk, super aggressive tactics, and really rewards um, a better balance of caution and aggression makes people, I think, a little more. There seems to be less expectation that there's one right way to play this game. Absolutely, and I think uh, everyone recognises that uh, it's those moments where you improvise and come up with something uh, fairly ludicrous that, because of the sort of breadth of uh, detail and the breadth of what's simulated in the game, that you couldn't do in in uh, in the sort of StarCraft style games. You know, the, the StarCraft games are so tight, so um, so kind of structured that you can often see. A, a long way off what's happening in a game. I remember watching um, Korean players in Korea and the audience hooting and roaring long before I realised what what sort of tactic was actually unfolding. You know, it's like, like the, the people who um, follow a game of chess and can, can can name the exact strategy sort of ten moves ahead. It, it, that's never going to happen in a Men of War game because there's always this crisis waiting around the corner where something's going to come apart and uh, the sort of the complexity. Delivering randomness means that even if other players are incredibly good, they are just as prone to you as, as to have these kind of random disasters and then have to deal with them. I, I was going to ask you what your impression was about the role of chance in this. I mean, there are certainly individual aspects of it which are very clearly random. I mean, you put a mortar unit down, 
Um, you know, there's clearly a field of fire and where, you know, you might get a direct hit on a tank that does damage. You might hit 10 meters off to the side and it does nothing. So there's definitely those expected levels of randomness, but, but do you feel like there's a level of randomness that's, that, that takes away from the game at all? Cause to me, it always, it's so complex. There's so much going on. You can't be in control of every unit at a time. The randomness almost seems to be the level of AI control over your own troops as much as it is whether or not this particular sniper shot hit or not. But I'd be curious on your perce- your perception because I haven't played the previous game, so I sort of don't have a sense of it growing over time. I get a feeling that's improved in in, in Assault Squad over over Men of War. Certainly, the um, the behavior of troops uh, was. Uh, sort of irras- irrationally random in the in the original game, and they're, they're much more controlled, they're much more easy to control now uh, than they were then. Um, but yeah, there is there is a huge element of randomness in things like uh, as as you said earlier, uh, tank combat. You know, the, the the shells do have some deviation. They could end up striking an engine and taking taking out your tiger in a single shot, or you know, or they could hit the armor and, and not be able to. I think the I think that's almost balanced against how much control you are able to have over very specific elements. I haven't talked much about the direct control system, but with that you can get a very good idea of just how uh, pinpoint accurate some of those shots can be and, um, and and just how much you can focus what any individual unit can do. Um, so I think that it's kind of a trade-off there where, yes, there is there is a huge role for randomness, but... Uh, if, if if you're getting in and you're doing that, there's specific micromanagement. You can and you can ameliorate and reduce the the the, the horrible impact that has on your game. You know, it, it's an interesting balance they strike because, and I, I don't know if it's intentional because certainly there are, there are a lot of places where the AI controlled units do not react as I wish they would, um, and particularly armored vehicles. What I what I see happening a great deal is they don't prioritize targets quite correctly. So a tank will continue fixating on a lower threat target uh, with its main gun rather than engaging a tank killer, you know, further up the road with anti-tank rounds. You know, like that's something I see AI units fail to do often. So I have to sort of babysit my most valuable units to make sure that they're always being used to good effect and, and staying safe. But what I find that preserves is the sense that, you know, when I take direct control, it is time for my hero moment. Uh, it, it is time for me to, you know, you know, everyone, everyone, get behind, get behind my T thirty four because we are going in, um, you know. And you can go on these incredible, on, the, on these incredible streaks where, you know, it's a very different feeling. The ba- the battlefield always gets torn up, but when you are in control of a tank and you see like six or seven burning holes there on the horizon that you put down, you know, now you feel like now you feel like you are the star of your very own war movie. Yeah, right. and it's that's a very different experience, I think, to to almost any other game because it, because it suddenly becomes a sort of third person action tank game, doesn't it? You, you suddenly, when when you're putting that shell right in the building, right in the right in the foxhole, then uh, yeah, it, bec- it becomes much more personal. Well, and and playing a sniper in this is incredibly satisfying. I mean, hopping into a sniper and 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 really positioning him and getting him in cover but still able to get his targets i mean it's very very satisfying and and you know let's not forget these guys are named right i mean there are there are enough units there's so few units on the field that every one of these guys has a name it may not be the most ingenious name ever but they are treated like individuals you know one one thing we should we should address is assault squad brings shows us the show has has battles on many fronts and we we have uh, four factions: uh, the Soviets, the Germans. Uh, oh, we have five factions: the Soviets, the Germans, the uh, British, the Americans, and the Japanese. And one of the things that has really impressed me is is how different each faction feels. Uh, particularly, uh, you know, tanks are where it's most noticeable. Um, and then the variety of maps that have been, that have been brought to this game, where I've had I've had battles. Every battle feels so different from every other. Uh, I don't know if you, if you guys had a chance to look at the the editor yet. No. Oh, good lord, no. <laughs> it's uh, it's incredibly easy to use, and you can see why uh, all the maps are so intricate, and why they've obviously enjoyed putting them together because it's 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 it's, it's as editors for that kind of thing go incredibly easy to use, very much sort of point and point and paint, and. Um, uh, 
but you can really see some sort of the, some of the sort of artistry in the construction of those maps. Um, they obviously take an enormous pride in you know building a waterfront or a, you know a jetty with uh, a cafe next to it, and uh, I think it's almost. Um, the more intricate and detailed those maps become, the more fun it is to completely flatten them when you're uh, fully engaged in a, in a skirmish. Right, and you know, one one of my favorite experiences so far with the game was fighting a uh, Frontlines game on a Pacific Island map. And so the entire map is basically cut up by swamps and rivers and these little patches of, you know, solid ground. Uh, so it's it's basically like island hopping on an island, um, but but what made it so different is you know if you compare it to like a map on the Russian steppe where it's all you know clear lines of sight, a few buildings, uh, some trenches. You know this was completely different because basically it was you know exchanging fire from um, you know one clump of dense shrubbery to another, and then over the course of this battle. Um, because nobody can see anything, everyone is sort of drifting toward high explosives and, you know, distant shooting. Eventually this map is is turning into a moonscape where, you know, now now the two sides can finally see each other and now the machine guns and tanks are really, you know, having their day. Uh, but it was all this slow evolution escalation as we reshape the battle. And that's, that's an amazing thing about uh, the engine that they're using is that you, you do have this... Um comprehensive and, and quite a complicated destruction system in able to knock out parts of buildings with certain explosions and, and, and knock over entire buildings with others it's uh it's, it's really quite something yeah and i mean a critical strategy is often taking down tree cover right i mean certainly if you're advancing quickly i mean you can you can uh you can get a a tank in there starting to take down trees that the enemy's using as cover pretty quickly Mm. Or even using using buildings as cover for your tanks so to keep, right. keep keep out line of sight, keep keep infantry uh, away from, from uh, getting anti tank grenades in there and so on. Well, and then and then a few maps have um, these great like lines of fortification where you know I mean you, you'll have a tank dugout where if the you know where the tank reverses in and out from a firing position right where it you know pops down it can't really be hit. You know, it comes up a little bit, it fires, and then you go back. You go, you go, you go back down into your dugout, um, or you, you, you know, you'll be micromanaging infantry and putting someone on a fire step in a trench. Um, and again, it's just it, it's it's little details like that where there there are some there are some games that felt almost like I was I was refighting World War One, but with you know, but with more tanks. So I mean, you know, little little things like that, and you know, and then you can have units run out and build new sandbags. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that sort of diversity of what you're able to do, um, recapturing uh, machine guns at uh, strategic points or, or positioning uh, mobile guns behind sandbags that you've built and so on. I mean, there's, there's an incredible dynamism on the battlefield, which I think, again, it's, it's, it links to that simulator thing. That That's one of the reasons why I find it so impressive, because you can see people um, improvising on the fly with using those tools. As soon as they realize they've got them, then, then uh, they start... Um, it starts to play around, and uh, you see some great stuff. So, do you have a uh, favorite game mode in Assault Squad? Um, I've enjoyed uh, the Frontlines mode the most, I think. Um, but I, but I've certainly spent the most time with the co-op modes because I've, I've just enjoyed so much having a really uh, big, challenging uh, experience, co-op experience to play with friends that isn't uh, something uh, you know that, that isn't uh, a shooter or anything like that. You know, it, it, it's um, I can't. I mean, as, as we've said throughout this, it's, it's difficult to compare Men of War to anything. But um, finding a group of people to play those those skirmish maps with has been a highlight of the last year, I think, in t- gaming terms. Julian, as as game mode in Assault Squad really clicked with you. Uh, really, it's just been front lines, and I honestly haven't had the chance to play much other than that. I've really enjoyed co-op. To me, that's been the most satisfying part of it. Um, but, but frontlines is definitely the mode that I'm trying to get better at. Um, it's, I will admit it's pretty intimidating. It's definitely a nice community. People are definitely helpful. And, uh, you know, if, if they wipe the floor with you, they're more than happy to, to give you actual constructive criticism. Like, you know, geez, maybe you should have some infantry run alongside your tanks. Uh, you know, things like that. Don't run across the plowed field, Rob, things like that. Um, but, but, 
the the learning curve is still steep. And like I said, I'm 15 or 20 hours into this game at this point. I still feel like I'm just figuring out what I'm capable of doing in the game. Yeah, I mean, and I hear you talk about, like, taking control of a sniper, and I, I haven't really bothered with that. Uh, but I, I have definitely played a lot with, you know, running machine guns or controlling tanks. And, you know, again, like, hearing about how other people are playing the game, I, I start to think, well, I, I, God, I, I need to go and try that. Uh, because there is this there's this never-ending sense of discovery and as i become more comfortable with the controls and the controls are daunting i mean i you know i think we've we've hammered that home but once you get a little more comfortable with them and they become more instinctive for you now you like it's dizzying the possibilities of what you can suddenly do when you realize you know that you very quickly you can sprint across a battlefield go loot someone's inventory and grab a different weapon, and then go do something else. Uh, maybe go capture a tank or a machine gun nest. You know, w- once you realize all that you can do with this infantry swap, with this sort of role switching on the fly, you know, it, it just it, it makes you more excited to play even more. Uh, because, you know, as you get better, you are effectively playing a different game. Right, because you go from just swooping whole units around and hoping they do a good job to really having specific tactics in mind and then implementing them. And it's that uh, sort of possibility for high levels of mastery that I think uh, I've always been quite a competitive gamer. And I think that's why uh, men of war interests me so much now is because I can see these huge uh, gulfs of skill that I, you know, and stuff that I haven't mastered and haven't figured out. And uh, that's still keeping me, uh, keeping me interested. Right. And you know, one thing that, the game really reminds me of a lot is Left for Dead, honestly, like when I'm playing with my friends. It it has that sort of close knit feeling of cooperation. But where it you know, distinguishes itself, oh, I mean, aside from the fact that it's not Left for Dead at all, really. Um, it's not a shooter. But the the other important distinction is where I think Left for Dead always sort of struggled a bit for me was versus mode. Because once you really learn those maps, I, I find that Versus games tended to look a great deal like one another um, once both sides knew what they were doing. There, there, there are places where, you know, certain things will tend to happen. There are better ambush points. With, with Men of War, you know, playing, the, playing in a competitive style, you know, it's just, it's, it's ever-changing. And, and that's, that's, one of the thing, that's, that's one of the things I really enjoy where, you know, once we've exhausted the uh, skirmish, once we've exhausted the uh, skirmish missions... You know, we're going to be able to take it to the pubs, and it's going to be an entirely new experience because now we're playing, you know, now we're now we're playing a war game against humans. Right, absolutely, right. and uh, that, that and being able to invent your tactics as, as you go, and also not having to depend on um, criteria such as resource gathering. I mean, that sort of stuff that really changes how uh, how the game plays when people are very much focused on the behavior of very specific units and that said you know when i've played multiplayer matches against uh, the community quite often i found people's capacity to direct control tanks and stuff has been almost supernatural you know i've been stunned by how good some of the players are at whizzing back and forth and and, and interfering with their units um but uh, yeah playing against humans does have a, a, so much more potential for uh I, I think than than the the the, uh, the the sort of more standard RTS games, um, simply because there's, there's there's that sort of level of dynamism on the field and that sort of level of detail of what can what can be scavenged from the field, what can be what can be improvised as you play. Well, and and where I sort of draw a distinction between, you know, la- like one of the games I really enjoyed last year was um, Octung Panzer Kharkov 1943, um, which is another. I think it was a Ukrainian uh, Eastern Front war game. Uh, Jim, mm. did you play that? No, I didn't. No. All right. Yeah, and I know. I know Tim Stone did a uh, what I think on it, but it was it was a very good war game, uh, and and it had it allows for these sort of similar moments of drama, but you know, with both that game and a game like Close Combat, there there was always the possibility for really extraordinary, remarkable things to happen, but usually it wouldn't. You know, it, an infantry squad caught in the open was was dead meat no matter what you did. Um, an infantry squad under attack from an assault gun was going to break and go fleeing off, you know, in you know to the to the corners of the earth. And I find that 
Men of War almost is like the distilled experience. It's like the highlight reel from from these squad level war games, where you know what's what's most likely to happen is the the extraordinary is much more likely to happen in this game, um, and it, and it's one of those things where I think you know if people are frustrated by war games but want that tactical experience, I think Men of War. You know, we're, you know, Julian, we're always, you know, sort of discussing, you know, what is an ideal introductory war game. And, you know, setting the control issues aside in this game, I think Men of War is kind of it. Oh, no. There is nothing introductory about this game at all. I mean, I mean, I, I understand why you say that. There's a purity to it, which is very satisfying. Um, but... Boy, you better have you better really understand RTS conventions so you can work around how they're broken here, and you really better understand the 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 sort of dance of units here before you ever even pick up the game, because it's not going to walk you through any of that. So control issues aside, I I think you're imagine that you had never played Company of Heroes, that you'd never played a, a deep war game of any kind focused on this particular World War II conflict. You would have no idea what any of these units even do, and there's no stat card you can even pull up that will tell you. No, it's a case of one of the, the most the biggest blind spots in the game is looking into an inventory to see what someone's got and what's that round thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, literally, there's not even a tooltip that tells you like what the you know armor rating of a particular unit is or anything that I've ever seen. No, right. I mean, the, 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 I think the thing I think everything's named on hover, but you, you would have to know which tank was better than what to uh, to have any kind of uh, grasp on how dangerously you you were risking the lives of your men. Oh, see, this is where my view is skewed because I'm like, oh, it's the T thirty four seventy six. Oh, I would love one of those. <laughs> um. Right, but but if you've never played a war game with one of those units, even a chip based war game with one of those units, how do you have any idea whether or not that's a minesweeper? I mean, you have no idea. That's true, but I also kind of feel like, I mean, as you, as you said in the beginning, I think World War II is such a familiar setting that um, a lot of gamers of all stripes are going to be able to figure out roughly what is going on in this. Uh, but I, I think more what I meant is, you know, I think, there's, I think there is a bit of an RTS war game divide. I think a lot of people play strategy games, they don't play war games. But if you were to look at, like, you know... So, like Men of War kind of typifies one of the reasons I used to play games like Close Combat so obsessively, and that is that again this this battlefield simulation element where it, you know it's a deadly, dangerous place, but occasionally you'll have these these extraordinary events, you know, just just occur that statistically really shouldn't, and it's going to create a story that you're going to be telling over and over. Uh, it's it, you know it's it's a drama machine. Right, but I mean, I, the only thing I would just I would maybe disagree a little bit with Jim on when we're talking about sort of the ability of the extraordinary to happen here. I think what's most impressive about this game is that the ordinary feels extraordinary, right? I mean, in in, in the actual battles of the time, a unit coming up and tossing a grenade into a, a bunker isn't an extraordinary act, right? That's how you took the bunker. Um, however, when you're doing it yourself, that feels extraordinary in this game. Yeah, just just taking an infantryman into the trenches and taking direct control of him and sort of sweeping a trench, you know, throwing grenades and spraying some machine gun fire. You know, that is to an extent like, you know, you just you just took a trench. But no, I think you, I think you're absolutely right, because something as commonplace as that becomes becomes heroic. Right. I think I think I wrote a huge piece about this a few years ago. I think it was for the Escapist about how that simulatory aspect uh, allows you to kind of f- feel more for these guys than you would in, in any any other sort of uh, RTS units I can think of because because they're able to perform these tiny heroic actions. And I should say actually something probably perhaps haven't mentioned in all the sort of talk about the micromanagement is that. Uh, all, all of all of your characters will uh, perform some kind of defensive action that's appropriate to the situation they're in. They need to be positioned uh, deliberately, and they, and they will pretty much hang out until they die, and they won't retreat. There's no, there's no morale system or anything like that. But um, watching a guy see a tank and then get out his anti-tank grenade and manage to get it onto the tank without you having to interfere does make you kind of proud of these little guys. Um, you know, you, you you often have to. to um, intervene and do this stuff yourself but they will come up with uh, they will come up with defenses they will uh, de- deploy weapons and 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 and, they, and and fire on enemies and so on and um 
there are occasional moments that emerge from that where you just you kind of feel proud that you know you're fighting with these little guys and and, uh, and I don't tend to get that kind of um don't tend to get that kind of feeling with any other units especially when units in other RTS tend to be specifically they'll be like a named this is your hero this is the hero unit yeah. there's none of that in yeah. uh, in men of war it could it could always happen at any moment mm, absolutely right and you know another another thing i appreciate is um you know the the lack of res- like resource management um resource collection like you know it'll either trickle in you'll like you know it depend- depends on the game mode sometimes it trickles in at a fixed rate depending on how many control points you have uh in other game modes you'll have a capped amount that you know you'll have this fraction of command points for your team and you have to decide how to use it but one of one of the things i really enjoy about what what that forces the sort of behavior that forces is i think there's a problem in a lot of rts's where there's a sprint to the top of the tech tree and a lot of units sort of never really get played with. Uh, they don't really have a good, um, they don't really have a good role in the battlefield. Like I, you know, take an example, like I think the medium tank is always kind of an awkward spot because it's not, you know, it's not, it'll get destroyed by heavier tanks. Um, it's not a sure thing against infantry. So people either tend not to have a tank or they bring out the biggest one they can get here in this game. Depend like each time you deploy a unit, you're taking a certain risk with that. That re- represents a certain fraction of your available resources. So if you're saving up and saving up and saving up, you know the other guys can be deploying mediocre, you know, middling units um, while you're not deploying anything because you're you're waiting to deploy something good. Uh, and so there's always this this balance between do you, do you rush something out and just you know get units out on the field, or do you wait until you can get one of, you know, your prized vehicles out there, one of your prized units out there, and hope that turns the tide. Yeah, and uh, one thing we should mention, actually, about um, Assault Squad is that it does have far more special units uh, at the top of the um, top of the reinforcement bar than, uh, than, than the previous game. Um, and some of them are fairly, uh, fairly amazing, like uh, uh, conscription for the Russians, which floods the field with, with uh, dozens and dozens of poorly armed uh, soldiers. You can't really direct very well. They sort of just charge in and uh, you have to try and uh, make the best of the moment that they flood over the enemy defences. Um, those, those are perhaps more of a nod to the sort of super units of other RTSs, but they still definitely fit with the, with the overall sort of simulation field of it, I think, anyway. Well, and didn't they just patch in a whole nother round of special units and special weapons as well? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of new tanks and stuff in in the update from uh, from this week, and and I think more to come actually in in in, in DLC in the future. Honestly, it's a little overwhelming, <laughs> but so exciting! I'm I'm so thrilled. Are, are they going to make um, user maps available to to other players? I'm not sure how that works. Actually, I'm not sure how that works. I mean, I've certainly uh, built some maps of my own and and and, and fiddled around with them. But I've never actually looked at how they're distributed or how best to uh, get those to other people. Right, because I, I'm just thinking, like, if people can start churning out their own maps, and oh god, I mean, is there is there a scripting element to uh, map editing is, that you found? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, the, you should be able to do pretty much anything that the uh, that the, the maps allow. Um, so yeah, I think I think that there, there could be a there could be a community. Yeah, uh, god, that could be astonishing map scene. Yeah. And that will conclude our discussion of the Men of War series. I do wish we could have gotten into the earlier games a bit more and discussed how the missions stack up against the multiplayer experience. Certainly I felt that Assault Squad is really how this series should be played, that the authored missions can't quite compare to the stories that unfold in the multiplayer match. But having played a fair bit of Assault Squad, I'm also really excited to go back and try to beat that original campaign. Uh, before we get to our closing thoughts, I'd like to thank Jim once again for making time to join us today and for troubleshooting his computer so that he could do so. As always, my thanks to producer Michael Hermes for putting this together and to you for listening. Uh, now, gentlemen, any closing thoughts? Um, I, would, I would like to say uh, that I think I think it is the mature form of the co-op multiplayer uh, of the original game, and people have been put off by uh, demos of the earlier games. I would say, you know, there is a demo for this one as well. Have a play. I, th- I think the, uh, I think I think the, it, it suits different tastes, and it's certainly a more polished uh, end game. Yeah, and I guess I would say, I mean, I'm sort of notoriously bad <coughs> at uh, at frenetic strategy games, and I would say that um, 
the the good thing about this is they recognize the pacing issues and they let you play at a slow pace, certainly while you're working your way through single player matches. So while it may be daunting, uh, it is all approachable. And the, the, the really satisfying thing is you really can kind of do anything you think up in this. I have yet to come up with a situation where I've been like, well, geez, if only I could go, uh, you know, make this unit take a bunker, or if only I could get a nice smoke screen going here and not be able to do it. So in that sense, it almost feels like a sandbox for reenacting these battles. And that's been really satisfying. You know, my last word of caution is, uh, you know, I think we, you know, I was worried we sort of, um, we go too far when we talk about you know learning curves, uh, the difficulty of getting into this game, and and certainly again this this is daunting, but it's certainly far more approachable than the series has ever been, and in part it's because you'll have lots of people there at your side. Um, but it, once you get comfortable with this with this control scheme and the quirks of the series, th- there really is absolutely nothing else like it, and. Uh, you know, the, to an extent, I mean, it's to, again the, the the myth comparison. You know, springs to mind for me. Um, it, the, the really, I don't think ha- there really hasn't been a multiplayer, uh, real time tactical game that succeeds this well uh, in quite some time. So I, you know, I would say give it a give it a fair shake and don't get discouraged because this is a game that absolutely rewards climbing over that learning curve. And on that note, uh, we will call it a night. Thank you very much for listening.